All right. So this is season one, episode five of Money Talk, the podcast hosted by Becoming Financially Fit. I am Stacy Blunt, and I'm here with my uh, distinguished guest here, Mark <laughs> Key II. Uh, welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with uh, Becoming Financially Fit, we talk about personal finance, financial literacy, savings, investing, um, and we also throw some entrepreneurship in there as well. Um, but we have a very interesting talk today. Um, I'm here with my guest, Mark, and we're going to be talking about a bunch of different things. He is another Ohio native. Um, we have a bunch of Ohio guys out here in New York, so I thought it would be great to get Mark on the show. But um, just to give you guys a little bit of background about Mark, um, he is from Ohio, Central Ohio, um, as am I. Um, he did college at uh, an Ivy League school, Cornell. Um, and then uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to give Mark a chance to, you know, kind of talk about his background a little bit, and then uh, we can get into some of the some of the show. So I'll let yeah. you talk through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Stacy mentioned, I'm, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I happened to go to Cornell University. Uh, the sport of football was a vehicle both of us used. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Yep. Um, so football came and introduced me to Cornell University. Uh, I spent a great four years up there playing ball and uh, have since kind of become a healthcare guy. When you're looking at my career, I um, spent some time down in Miami, spent some time um, selling medical supplies down there. And then I transitioned uh, into a role at Deloitte, actually helping hospitals um, procure and, and buy hospital supplies and, and different ways of, of helping them save money through uh, different costs cost savings measures, mm -hmm. um, you know, never touched anything with anything staff related or anything like that, but just basically helping them become more profitable. Yep. Um, and then that actually, my background in healthcare kind of brought me actually to a, my position now, which is assistant fund manager of Local 731, a uh, construction labor union here in, in the New York uh, five boroughs. And uh, there I, I work in the benefits fund, which is an annuity fund, a pension fund, and, in a, and a healthcare welfare fund, which kind of calls into my background a little mm -hmm. bit uh, as, as far as knowing some of the business side and clinical side of the, of the health world. Um, and, and I and I now function in that role for the past couple of years. So I've hopped around a little bit yeah. um, <laughs> and, and I and I reached out to Stacy, you know, I, in that sort of those movements and things like that, I, I've had to kind of learn about my own personal finance, the financial world as, as, a, as a, at a macro level. And just kind of planning my own life and, and with those moves, sort of how I'm kind of keeping track on, on retiring and all that. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So um, now let's jump right into it. I want to talk about your personal finance progress because um, before we were uh, doing the show, you kind of had your sheet laid out. So mm -hmm. I want to talk about your financial you know progress from being um, a high schooler on the west side of Columbus Ohio right, right? up until the point right now where, where you're making pretty significant income right. um, we'll get into some specifics about that but just talk about the progress like how did you first learn about you know money the bigger picture right, right. and then uh, talk about where you are now yeah 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 no I mean I, I originally reached out because kind of coming from uh, you know my blue collar sort of family background you know finance was sort of we knew it. We yeah. knew what it was. We knew the banking, but we didn't really know, you know, how it functioned. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you, you look at buying stocks and things like that. And, and in college, I was it was always kind of foreign to me. And it was a, it was a world I was kind of honestly intimidated from. Yeah, uh, I didn't really it was it was conversations that weren't really being had in my home. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's a story about how my mom was approached at one point in time about uh, a British um, petroleum company coming to the States and, and her her advisor asking her, hey, do you know you want to put a couple of thousand dollars that you have available into this into this company? And she was like, hi, ah, you know, I'm actually 
we're, we're planning a trip to Barbados and that's kind of, you know, that's where it is. And that was the British Petroleum Company. <laughs> BP. <laughs> BP. BP. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, that was 30 some years ago at this point in time. So that was, that was really kind of the stock story of the family yeah. um, about the, the missed BP opportunity. So it's kind of been approaching people, you know, um, that are in the financial industry and sort of figuring it out. But it was actually probably not, I graduated in 2011. It was mm-hmm. probably around 2013 that I finally, you know, started contributing to my own 401k and my 401k match. At, I was at Cardinal Health at the time um, that I started, I started really starting to put money towards there and kind of seeing what everybody always talks about. You know, if you Same put the money it, yeah. away, you see the investments come back, you see the compounding interest, the, you start to see some of that stuff. And that was kind of really just blindly putting money. I didn't even know how much money I had yeah. until I would like look like two years later, like, oh, there's only there's 20 grand there. I didn't even, I've never had 20 grand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At one point in time. So um, so that was that was kind of my initial one. And then I think it's probably around 2014, 2015, I started to figure out some more. And then it was in 2016 when somebody actually was like, hey, I, I think this is going to be a good company to invest in. Uh, I was like, oh, how do you invest? You know, that, they had Fidelity. I saw the the five dollars a trade. I was mm-hmm. I was kind of like, okay, well, I don't I got to make sure this trade is worth <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's kind of when when it all started to to bloom from there. And then in, in my current role, I've had some more time to kind of figure out about um, just kind of the really intricacies of options and, mm-hmm. and and doing some different things like that in ways that other people make more money and it's not as simple as just buying a stock and holding on to it and exactly. hoping that Amazon does really yeah. well. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I started, I think around the time. Before. Okay. And growing up, did your parents, um, actually have those conversations with you? Um, and not necessarily, um, about investments or savings or anything like that, but just about how you should use your money, um, and not just spend it. Right, right, right. I think it was, it was never really, um, any goals or anything that was, you know, save this much of your income. It was, it was, it was really just uh, not being boneheaded about your money decisions <laughs> um, to a degree. Uh, you know, it was, it's one of those things where you come from too. You, you know what your parents sort of make and and how you, how you live off of that. You know what I mean? And then, and then when you're a first generation college student, um, I went to school knowing that whatever I did get into it had to make sense money wise. Yeah. It had to, you know, yeah. I, I wasn't going into, I was, wasn't going to be one of those people that didn't have a job that could, uh, you know, pay for my bills or pay for my loans or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it was really, you know, you're kind of in uncharted territory because you have a certain amount of money that your parents probably didn't necessarily have to, to invest or as to, a starting salary, maybe. Right. Right. As a, you're 24 years old, you're like, man, you know, if, you know, <laughs> the hundred K was the number that was like the glass ceiling always like, man, if I can make a hundred K, like that's right. going to be like, I'll be able to, my parents' home is, is only $1,500, you know, a mortgage. <laughs> I, if I can make that a month, you know, that's, if I can clear that and have that, you know, then I'm, I'm doing all right. So, so no, not really. I mean, I don't have any sort of mark you should put your money in investment and, and these index funds or, you know, you should buy, be looking at CDs or anything like that. It was, it was really sort of all self-taught. Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube and, and everything. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. YouTube is huge, right? You can <laughs> you can almost find anything you want just right. by you know searching for it, right? Exactly. But a lot of people don't know where to start, um, and it can be a little um, overwhelming at times. Um, and so that's why I started this platform, actually, just to you know kind of start the conversation so people can actually you know just start to think about okay, um, I'm making X. Uh, amount of money or here's how much other people in different fields are making, right? Right. right. Um, and so um, I. 
I got a lot of feedback about me, you know, just point blank asking people, hey, you know, what was your st- salary starting out coming out of college? Right. What's your salary now? Because that's not a conversation a lot of people talk about. Exactly. I really didn't even have that conversation um, with my parents. I just kind of knew they were supporting me. Um, we were growing up and, you know, that's how it was. Right. Um, but I do want to get into some some personal information from you. So s- tell me about your your salary going through the ranks. Right. You started out um, in Ohio. Right. Um, now you're out here. So tell me your um, your progress that you first started out as far as salary mm-hmm. and to where you are now. Right. 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 So I think um, I was actually doing commercial real estate. I did a year of commercial real estate in Columbus back where we're, where we're both from um, out, of, out of graduation. And, and to be honest, I. Um, I kind of, I went into college just knowing I wanted to help out companies. You know, I wanted to end up with basically is management consulting, mm-hmm. kind of not coming from the business world background. I figured that everybody that was in management consulting had 20 years of experience <laughs> elsewhere. And yeah. they just, now they were, now they were bestowing their, their business <laughs> acumen on the rest of the world. It, but it, um, I didn't, I didn't really know that that was a, a career that I could really get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so after college, I was six or seven months really looking for the right fit for me, looking for the right job, looking for the right opportunity. Um, I had some salary requirements that were probably a little bit tough on, on what I wanted to have, but I actually ended up setting on taking a job that was forty thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars back back in Ohio. Columbia, back in Ohio. Yep. Um, so I had, you know, I had enough money. What, what year was that? That was twenty eleven. Okay. Twenty twelve is when I started the, the job in February twenty twelve, um, and then was doing that for a year had somebody talk to me a little bit about medical device sales and, and some of the numbers that could be made there and in the selling world and, and kind of being a football guy and, and being able to talk to people, you know, that was, that was one of the selling points I had for sales for myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I moved kind of to uh, Miami at that point for a job with Cardinal health, making 65 K. Um, to Which me, that was that's a huge bump, 65, 70 right? K. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, whenever you can double your money or at least half, you know, half a, hundred fifty percent increases is a good one. So I uh, took that opportunity it was an opportunity I could make more money, you know, the more I sold. Um, and that was commission based. That was commission based. It okay. was, a, it was a base of about 40. So but what I was making before. And then if you had a good year, you got about another 30,000. Um, it was very, it wasn't like a, it was, it could be uncapped, but yeah. you were basically going to make another 30 to 40 grand, depending on the windfalls of the, of the market that you were selling in mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. And then what I also saw is when you had a really great year, your next year's targets were based off of that year. So it was, <laughs> yeah. it was like a good year, or bad year, good year, bad year. Um, and then really through, um, that opportunity, I started to talk to more people in management consulting and kind of figured out that whole dream as a kid of actually there's people who are in their young tw- 24 years old who are going to these companies and kind of helping them grow and helping them uh, find new opportunities in the market. And then through my healthcare background, I figured I could help hospitals. And that's kind of how I spun myself to Deloitte and got in that management consulting gig. And they paid me, um, they paid me about 90 K mm-hmm. as a base uh, salary, as a base salary. Um, there were some, there were some bonuses there and everything, but in your progression, um, from going from 40 K to 90 mm-hmm. K, how long did that take? Um, that was that was about a two and a half, three year um, sort of hustle. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got I got I had some uh, some good conversations and and uh, some good talks with people. But in the, you know Deloitte was taking a chance on me. Um, you know certain people. I was probably one of the lesser paid people uh, in in my world. Um, just because you know I wasn't coming from an MBA background. I don't have an MBA. Um, 
And, you know, I, I've been in the industry for a little while. I was, mm-hmm. I was what they call a, a subject matter expert to a T degree um, in the fact that I was lower um, on the level as, as far as consultant level. I was a, I was a base consultant. There was mm-hmm. an associate level that you come into out, out of undergrad. And out of MBA, you go in, you come in as a senior consultant. So I was right in between those two. Yep. And even though I was in that more junior position, I had a lot more background in my in the hospitals and things like that. I, I could sit in the rooms with, um, you know, chief medical officers and I could understand the business side of the conversations. I could actually contribute to some of those conversations. So that's kind of how that was their kind of mm-hmm. flyer on me. And then I was also at a Deloitte. That and when you were in Deloitte, was that still in Columbus or was that? That was actually when I moved to New York. OK, so I was in Florida, um, southern Florida. Great place to spend your your, your young twenties, a part of your twenties, um, and I and I kind of I kind of live by like a motto of I'm as broke as I'm ever going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, personal finance was, was was kind of second tier. You know, having a good time, enjoying my twenties was really was really the, the the goal. You know, I was yeah. I was the guy that was in Miami. If we were yeah. in Miami, you, and you earned yeah, it. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so when I got to Deloitte, that was actually more time for me to okay, let me really look at my savings. Let me figure this out. And that's kind of, I learned from some of the people that I work with some great people. That was my buddy who I was working with, my friend Tyler, who was like, hey, let's invest in this. You know, it's a British company. Actually, we have to do it on Fidelity. We can't do, yep. you know, stash. It's like an ADR like type that. thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that was at Deloitte. And then I was at Deloitte for two years. And I was starting to hit a crossroad of getting my MBA. How am I going to, you know, where am I really going to settle down? And um, I actually tried out transferring to LA for a little while, ended up coming back to New York. How long was that process when you moved from New York to LA? I was, uh, I was here for a year mm-hmm. and I was, um, I was looking at, you know, if I'm going to settle, I was, uh, and then I moved to LA and it was kind of like, I was, didn't really tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was kind of like, let me see how it feels. But so much of my project base was in New York mm-hmm. and, um, I, had a, I worked on a project in Michigan, worked on a project in Cincinnati. I worked on a project uh, outside of Boston and um, and I worked on a project actually for the VA in DC. So a, a lot of our a lot of our base was based was based on the East Coast. So I was flying like red eyes to go to work every week and everything. And it just it just wasn't going to really work out because um, the way the, the way the management consulting world works is each partner has a niche. Mm-hmm. For what they sell to the to the market, and, and if it's hospitals, uh, banks, whatever it may be, and so you basically work. Everybody kind of works underneath one or two different partners who work in very similar areas. Yeah. And the partners that I had worked under, they were basically I was on their team constantly. Kind of, mm-hmm. I didn't have that whole like, oh, this week I'm working on an art deal in Paris, and this week I'm working on some supply chain thing in in China. It was it was I was working in hospitals every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that something that you wanted to do or is it just because you built the rapport with those two partners that you were kind of pigeonholed a little bit? The way I was um, re- the way I was brought in was basically I was going to work for those two partners. Yeah. Um, I had to kind of sell to them my expertise in this area. And it was a cheap resource because they, they literally staff you like, OK, you know, how many hours can uh, th- this this hospital is going to pay this many hours for this level of employee. They're going to pay this much hourly for this level of employee. So I was kind of like a very good resource at a very good price for them, Yep. Um, which I was fair with this. What I knew I was able to like walk into some rooms that I didn't think I could walk into and actually have some, some good dialogue um, with that. And then in that whole process, when I was at that crossroads, um, 
a buddy of mine at Local 731. Uh, he where you're was, currently at. Where I'm currently at. We kind of had the conversation of the travel four or five days a week, um, working, uh, you know, 60, 70 type of hours, banking type of hours. Um, and he was, you had one of those conversations of, you know, what will it take? What were you looking for to kind of, to kind of move away from that? And it, and it was a point where I was very happy. Yeah. Um, and, and then I moved to the local 731 with okay. that conversation. I want to, I want to talk about local 731 and we can discuss, you know, what they brought you in a, a salary wise, but I want to know what you're actually doing on a day to day. Yeah. On a and, day what, to- and what brought you there as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I'm doing on a day-to-day is uh, the labor union is, is a construction labor union. Um, the, the biggest way I kind of look talk about a high picture are is there a guy, a construction man or woman is, is working in the field. And for every hour that they work, they basically get, say, $45 to their paycheck. And another $45 comes to their benefits fund. And that's the position I'm in. Uh, I am uh, basically number two guy there. The, what was told to me is kind of, there's a guy that's going to be retiring in a couple of years. We need you to learn from him. And we really need to get this company brought into the 21st century as mm-hmm. far as uh, just overall capabilities and, and how everything operates. And so they get paid $45 on their in their check, and then they get another $45 to their benefits. Yep. That goes towards their health care, their pension, their annuity. And my office is essentially in charge of administrating that for the, for the member. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping track of it, all of it, and kind of just letting the, the funds grow. We invest the funds with the help of money managers. And um, and then essentially, they, when they retire, they come to us, and, and then we, we administer all their health care benefits, make sure everything's okay. I deal with things as far as their appeals for when they get huge bills mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have gotten. I handle those. I handle divorces. I handle everything pretty much under the sun. Um, and so what, what drew me to that opportunity was – really the ability to lead a team. Yep. Um, I, I kind of, when I was, I wrote a list of pros and cons for leaving that job because in all honesty, Deloitte was the precipice for a kid like me who wanted to be in the business world. Mm-hmm. Coming from Ohio, I yep. was in the business world, going to 30 Rock, going to biz, going to these meetings, helping people like grow. Like that was, that was to me, that was validation that I, you I, could make, I could make it. Yeah. I could make it in the world. I could be, somebody could listen to me and gain value and save millions of dollars off of, ideas that I had, you yep. know what I mean? Or even, you know, ideas I executed on that were, you know, handed down from my partners and such. And so um, I kind of was at that point. And for me to find something that was the ability to manage off the bat, mm-hmm. 40 people. As soon as you walk in the door. Walk in the door. That was like, wow. You know what I mean? Um, it's a fund that's that's nearly between the three funds. We're probably close. We're getting close to $3 billion. Wow. There's a lot of. AUM? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who, um, you know, in, in the in that blue collar background, as far as where I'm coming from, I'm helping out guys that that aren't necessarily sophisticated and they don't even sit in front of a computer every day. They're in a hole digging, digging holes and literally in the subways at JFK, at LaGuardia. Those are the people that I'm helping give them the financial future that me and you were talking about, exactly. because the yep. market necessarily isn't built around pensions anymore. It's mm-hmm. built around annuities. So there's no saying just because a guy has worked for 30 years 
digging in a hole doesn't mean that he can't that sophistically retire. Our, maybe our grandparents, right? They right. Would, they will do that whole process, work 30 right. years, right. get their pension and be cool. Exactly. Even though their pension might only, you know, replace their income. But if they live for another 30 years, then what are you going to do? Right. And that's where some people like sometimes. Um, and I don't know if you guys do this, but you kind of adjust that pension over time based off of the cost of living. Right, right, right. But a lot of people were only getting a couple thousand dollars for 30 years of work. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, I didn't want to do something like that. Right, right. Well, I think, I think uh, to be honest, I think a lot of our generation, they saw, they had the parents who worked someplace for 25 years and then they got laid off. Yeah. And they didn't, they lost their pension. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think um, that's a very, I think we all saw that and we saw that kind of like, man, these people were really, really loyal. And now they kind of got screwed out of a lot of money that they thought had come into them. And um, sign, kind of seeing the health and everything of this, of this organization that I'm a part of, you know, we sit in, a lot of people sit in front of a computer every day. Yeah, they can, they can see like, okay, this is how I invest. This is how I, this is how I can learn how to do so much of the stuff I've learned just by like on the job training, on the job training yep. at lunch, mm -hmm. just having those conversations. Brains. Exactly. When you're in the, when you're in a subway tunnel digging all day, you don't have necessarily that, that time to kind of grow your knowledge base. So it's a beautiful thing for me to at least have somebody who's 65 years old who has given so much of the city of New York, built New York, and then... And you're able to invest. And I'm able to them and say, hey, okay, now you have a you have an annuity that's worth a million dollars because you never touched it, and, yep. you're, and you're going to get $6,000 a month in your pension. That's like, to me, that's like, that's good. You yeah. know what I now mean? Now they can live life because they, they've been working hard for 40 right, years, right? Right, right. Breaking their back, like you said, in the subway tunnels um, in New York, you know, or working you know, on a freeway or something like that, building these huge skyscrapers right, that right, New York right. has, right? Now they can actually enjoy that, but... It takes a long time, and um, I really don't want to wait 40 years to enjoy my right, life. Right, 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 right. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the way I approach it is the benefits that I get out of it is kind of like it's my safety net. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, like, I'm going to retire um, comfortably. If I don't do anything, if I if I blow every check that I have, I'm going to, I'm going to have the ability to have something when I retire. Yeah. And then everything else that I kind of do in my personal finance is all gravy. It's let's let's talk about your personal financial picture, right? I want to know how much you you save out of each check, you know, how much you invest. Um, when do you have any type of budget? Talk through that process of, okay, I got my check on I'm, I'm if you get paid every 2 weeks or the first right, and right, 15th. Right. What's your process of, okay, I got my check. Now what do I do with it? Right. I think I think I'm personally kind of at a I just hit some milestones. Yeah. So, I'm uh Talk about it. I'm sort of uh yeah, I I'm sort of in that process of building what that budget may look like and everything, but um Kind of big picture, I, I thought I wrote this thing down. I opened a Robinhood account at one point in time. I think it's in 2015 I opened a Robinhood account. I uh, did the personal financing with my buddy, yep. Fidelity. And then um, I opened a Stash account in it's probably September 2017. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the, my first vehicle. And that was just trying to get like $200 every, every week. Yep. Just put it in there, put it in there, put it in there. And that grew to about not even nine months, like, you know, like ten, fifteen thousand dollars yeah. that I was looking at. And then I um, I moved from Stash because I actually found a company called Personal Capital. I know um, Personal Capital, yeah. And Personal Capital, that's really what helped is is sort of like my vessel for like where do I start? Where do I grow from there? And um it basically lays out all your assets, all your liabilities, all my student loans I could put all in there and then 
I moved from Stash to M1, and that kind of M1 became Finance. M1 the Finance. Yep. yep, and that kind the of app, be- and they also have a platform, an online platform yep. as well. Yep. yep, and that M1 actually tied into personal capital, and that was the main driver for moving moving to M1 because yeah. I could just kind of all see it there. I was able to save up a certain amount of money to um, basically pay off my student loans. So that was wow. So, and how much were your student loans? Um, they were twenty. I was I had about thirty thousand dollars from Cornell from Cornell yep. um, when I graduated. So. I paid those off um, this fall, mm-hmm. and so so that was kind of like my first my first goal was okay, pay off the student loans, and then personal capital also um, tracks your net worth and mm-hmm. kind of give you a net worth money, and so that that number finally hit hundred thousand um, dollars this past year. Congratulations! So That's huge. this past January, so yeah, those are kind of like my big those were like two big you know pat on the backs for myself, and then now I'm just trying to figure out how to grow that, and, and kind of figure out um, you know kind of how to manage that. I'm, I'm trying to come around with a number, probably around two grand. I'm, I'm doing some things as far as planning my meals better, yep. planning, um, you know, just getting everything organized, you know, as far as different budgeting tips mm-hmm. um, and kind of, you know, that whole motto of I'm the brokest I am ever going to be <laughs> is kind of, it, it runs out, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to yeah. figure that out. But so I, that, I would like to make some goals um, and then kind of figure it out from there, but I'm also now starting to get into some of the more risky stuff around options and mm-hmm. Robinhood and everything like that. So from really from, it was funny because the Robinhood account I opened, I threw like $250 in it. Yep. And I bought, um, but the healthcare background, there was a couple of different things. There's like an FDA website. You can really see where everything that's supposed to come for trial and everything like that. Yep. And I bought into a um, AXSM. It's like an Axum therapeutic like a central nervous system and i bought what was it and that was just speculation speculation i bought uh nine shares at three dollars and 35 cents a share <laughs> that company is trading at a hundred dollars a share right now <laughs> so like that that got for me like okay let's let's figure this out i can you know let me let me let me see how this is going to go yeah um and that that so now kind of using that sort of play money mm-hmm. really to like kind of chop off some of those goals and now I'm starting to figure out okay what do I how much do I want to just put in M1 I would like to just put like two thousand dollars a month or a month in M1 and yep. just like have that money sort to gain and then have my how much money do I want to have from Robinhood mm-hmm. to kind of play with some of the options. Um, and just trying to see if I can have some things pop. I've lost a good amount of money. Yeah. I've gained some of the money. This week's Gaining been a rough knowledge. week. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> was a rough, rough week, week the for, yeah, for, for the market. Um, and so, so I'm all just kind of figuring all that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's that's really why I was turning to you and asking you sort of some, uh, I, you know, my next big goal is I don't want to pay for my rent anymore. I'd exactly. love to buy something. And, and what that means is that we're going into real estate. So means, we'll, mean, t- <laughs> we'll, we'll touch on that topic next. <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. Okay, let's let's jump into real estate because you you mentioned something super interesting. You said you no longer want to pay your rent. Right? right, that's one of your goals. And so, in order to do that, you can do a couple things. You can live for free, um, which um, and you have two different methods, uh, depending on someone else, or um, buying a place for yourself, right? And, and to actually invest in a, a mortgage. I would say a lot of people think of a mortgage as debt, but I think it's an investment. Right. If right, you right. use it the right way. Mm-hmm. And you said that you want to use that um, as a way to, you know, kind of build some assets outside of just normal investments or 401k, things like that. So I want you to talk about your kind of your progress of thinking, okay, now we live in New York, rent is sky high, right? Right. Um, a mortgage will not only allow you to um, get an asset as far as a home, but it'll allow you to invest in yourself. So right. talk through that process of when like the kind of the light turned on and said, you know what, 
home ownership might be for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's always, it's always, um, I think that's part of the American dream at, at the end of the day, yeah. you know, is, is owning your own real estate and, and really having something that you're putting forward. That's where, the, that's the most basic cornerstone of generational wealth. That's, um, it's something that we talk about each other, yep. you know, as far as where we come from, I come from a more blue collar background, but my parents still have a home that they, that they have a mortgage on and that they have a good deal on and it's appreciated, you yep. know. Um, they told me the last time how much it was worth. I was like, it's like twenty percent more than I was expecting. So um, I think that's kind of always the goal. I think I think New York is very intimidating from a mindset of how much money you actually need to get into it. And I think that's kind of where, personally, I think that's kind of where you know I, I see a wall a little bit. Yeah. But I think I think just having my student loans paid off, having that's kind of like my next step. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and do you want to buy something that's like maybe like a condo or an apartment or a single family, or do you want to venture out into something that's more on the investment side, like a multifamily unit where you can kind of live in one unit and rent out the others? Right, right. I, I mean, ideally, um, ideally I would have it all. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have both. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that, that's kind of, honestly, I wanted something I was going to ask you about, yeah. you know, coming from Ohio, we kind of see our friends and family, they are able to make these purchases almost like you're thinking like, well, if I, if I lived in Ohio, it would be easy to just. Exactly. It would cost, if you had $50,000 in Ohio to put towards a down payment on a home, you're doing something big. Exactly. As opposed to New York, in New York, you have a start. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes not even $50,000 is a start out here, which is, it's a little daunting, right? Because right. if you think about it, most times, um, if you want to get some type of invest, investment property and you don't want to pay mortgage insurance, you're going to have to put down 20 to 25%, right? right? Right. And so I was looking at some properties in the Brooklyn area because Manhattan is very expensive. Um, and I actually live in Brooklyn, right? And so I looked at a property that was, I want to say a duplex going for a million dollars. Right. And so then if you if you do that same math, I would have to put down a quarter million dollars just to get in there. Right. 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 Just to get, <laughs> walk in the door. Whereas right. if I'm putting down a quarter million in Ohio, I can buy almost an entire block. Right? Exactly. I can buy four or five properties, like you said, with 50K down. I can do a lot of damage. But out here, you kind of have to do a different perspective and you kind of have to say, should I, you know, go back to Ohio right. and get some investments or, you know, should I kind of just boss up and do it out here? So my next goal, and I'm happy you were talking about some of your goals is my next goal is to actually save up enough um, to be able to put something like a 200 or 250 down on a million dollar property. Um, and what I want to do is in order to allow me to pay that mortgage down, live in one unit and rent out the other three. Right, um, and right. the cool thing about that is you can get one mortgage on a fourplex. And so what that means is you'll have one payment, Although you do own all of the four units, it'll be under one address. It'll be like apartment one, two, three, and four. Gotcha. You can live in one as your principal residence. And I think sometimes the down payment can be three and a half to 5%. But if you don't want to pay mortgage insurance, you're going to have to put down, like I said, 20 to 25%. Okay. And so when you get into there, not only will you have a quarter million dollars of instant equity, but now you have three other units. And we know the New York rent out here is high, right? Right, right, right. That can actually, you can take all that money, pay your mortgage, and you can live for free. Right. And so adding that to some of the other things you talk about, right? You don't have student loans, right? Right. You're building up some investments on the side. And now imagine living for free, using all of your extra income to live for free, and you're making income to cover your mortgage. Right, right. That's right. one of my next goals out here in New York. Yeah, no, I mean I think I think that's uh if if I could somehow replicate, you know, that's the same type of stuff that I would like, you know, but there's there's um, you know, trying to 
be conscious of the fact that I have an FHA loan out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my income, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, do I still qualify to be able to receive one of those? I can't yeah. use those for an investment. Do I want to use those for my own place? Can I do something like that with a condo? Yeah. It, with a co-op, as a majority of everything you're going to look at in New York is going to be one of those two. I know sometimes they want to have you to have 20% down. So it's just kind yeah. of like, that's kind of, it's almost on my goal is to make a goal <laughs> that I need to have. It's kind of like, yeah. if, I could, if I could be in March and already know kind of, okay, here's more, here's my path. Um, that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And do you know your timeline? Do you want to do it in, within the next, let's say, year, five years? What's your kind of mindset on that? Yeah, I would love, I mean, my lease is up next May. Yeah. And, and if I don't, if I'm not able to buy something by next May. Next May in a couple months or next year? Next year. Next okay. Year, 2021. 2020. May okay. of 2021. If I have, um, if I'm able to buy something, that would be ideal. Um, if not, I want to have my last. I want it to be my last lease that I kind of sign with with the, with that in mind. Mm-hmm. And um, how old are you? I'm 30. Okay, 30. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's time that you know. It's it's time. It's 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 ability. You know, and I try not to be too hard on on myself just from the f- standpoint of you know I was only making so much money, and even if I saved 20 percent of it when I was making 40 grand, it's only eight thousand yeah. dollars, which is now something I try to save. You know, in a couple of months. Exactly. Um, so, so just trying to figure all that out. Um, but yeah, I would, I would like to say, I would like to try and figure it out, you know, having a, a mortgage broker I can kind of talk to and mm-hmm. kind of figure out what my options are and everything like that is sort of the goal. Yeah. Um, and it's a whole entire process, right? And like you're saying, a mortgage broker, that's only one piece of the process. Right, you have right. to have a mortgage broker. Um, you have to have a realtor, right? That's actually going to work for you. Sometimes you might have to get a lawyer involved because we're out here in New York and some of the contracts are a little bit more complicated. So you have to have all of that ready and to go, right? When you're actually going to look at properties. You have to be pre-approved. Right, right, And there are right. a bunch of things that come with pre-approval. And so I do want to touch on a couple of those topics, like um, having some type of um, emergency fund right. or funds set aside in, in case you lose your job for six months, um, a credit score. Um, if you want to get the best rates, you have to have a 720 or above, right? Mm-hmm. Some of those things that a lot of people think about too late. Right. When if they were to think about this, let's say a year out from making that purchase, it could help them out and save them so much money. So, um when you're actually thinking about, you know, buying a house or buying real estate out here in New York, are those some of the things that you thought about as far as, you know, here are the things I also need to check off that a lot of people forget about that'll help me out in the long run. Right, right, right. I think um, about that uh, 2015, 2016 timeframe was when the time I moved from Cardinal Health living in Florida to New York uh, working for Deloitte. And that was kind of the time uh, in Florida, it was a sales job. So I had, I had a year that was not as great as my first year. Yep. And um, I, I, I kind of had a, I, I got a credit card out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only like $5,000 limit, uh, but I did, ha- I did have it up like 30, it was, it was staying around $3,000 yep. um, just to kind of like pad the expenses a little bit. And the bit. payments on that were about right. pay- 75, 100 bucks. Maybe. Oh yeah, and I've never had a credit card that was less than 20% in, in interest, but uh, I can get into that a little bit later, but basically I created a credit card payoff sheet, yep. uh, Excel spreadsheet, and I kind of had that down and I think around that time my credit score was probably around the 700s Um, and then I had that paid off probably since 20 I probably say since 2017 I haven't carried any really credit card debt Mm -hmm. Um, 
past the month to month. And, and I've, I've now graduated into the where I'm using the credit cards instead of the credit cards using me. Exactly. Using it to gain points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so so my, I've, I've had around 800, 820. I've been around there for a couple months. I pay off my student loans. I actually hurt my credit score, which I'm sure you can get into everybody. Exactly. I have I had <laughs> my history of my debt went from um, 14 years to, to six or seven years of average average credit history. So that that factors it in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But me not knowing I don't need to mortgage anything for another year or so, I knew that was going to all even out a little bit. Yep. Um, so, so really, uh, credit was one thing. Um, and then, and then, yeah, just making sure I can try and have some of that saved because I'm sitting. I was sitting at a point where I'm like, okay, my credit score is eight eight fifteen. Say, I have, I'm making, um, you know, close to two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yep. I am, uh, you know, I don't have any debt really what should I do? You know what I mean? Like, where do I go? You know what I mean? I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to just put in and gain 10% every year, 4% every year. But you know, you know, how do I get to that point? How do I kind of get to that out of this sort of like purgatory of I'm in great financial health, but how am I going to make it work for me? You know, how do I make my credit score work for me? How can you start building that generational wealth? Right, right, right. right. And every day you can see how it it, it matriculates and adds up and and it multiplies over itself. So, um, with that being said, you know, kind of positioning myself to be ready for, you know, kind of this savings and everything like that to kind of make those moves is kind of where I'm at with it right now. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you mentioned one thing about using your credit card and not letting it use you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because most people fall into the, the whole cycle of um, building up some type of debt and paying it off uh, little by little and right. you're paying so much interest. It almost makes it, you know, unattainable to actually pay it off. Um, but you said that now you're getting into the process of paying off everything, right? getting those points and actually using the credit card instead of making it use you. So I do want to ask you this question. Um, when did you start making your money work for you instead of working for your money? Yeah. I mean, I think that was probably again, um, probably 2016, 20, you know, 2015, I was, I was coming into Deloitte and it was like, um, it was everybody kind of put down their Chase Sapphire Reserve. That was hot <laughs> on the streets. That was that was yeah, JP Morgan. Shout yeah. out to JP Morgan Chase <laughs> Sapphire. They hit it. They hit. They hit a gold mine with that one. They did. Um, yeah, everybody was getting the points, and right. everybody doesn't matter who it was. As soon as the that bull welcome came, bu- yeah. that welcome bonus. <laughs> was, everybody was trying to hit that. So that was that was um you know personally my mom my mom kind of raised me is get the credit card with the best APR mm-hmm. and we kind of just use it as a mini loan or when you needed something and things were a little tight, that was kind of, you know, put it on the yep. credit card, we'll pay it off, you know, we'll, we'll pay the payments yeah. on it. And that was, that was the, you know, MO, avoid, avoid an annual fee and mm-hmm. get the lowest APR. That was, that was our thing. And kind of that mindset really kind of changed in 2015, 2016 when I saw, you started reading on the Sapphire Reserve, okay, how much do I need to spend to get my money back? And exactly. it was like, at that point in time, a $450 fee was like, but you get $300 back immediately in travel credits. Yep. You get, um, every time you spend any type of money at a restaurant or a food establishment, you get your 3% plus the 3%. It's like 6% you get on that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have my TSA pre-check through that, like everything. Yep. So I uh, that's probably the time I really started to, okay, this is something that can be a vehicle for me. And I mean, I've I've traveled for free. My girlfriend lives in England, is from England. So, yep. we, I've, you know, those Christmas flights, those are the points. Um, Free stays we've gone on hotels. vacation, yeah. hotel stays. And, and 
And then I just recently got the um, the American Express Platinum. So like yep. I, now I have two different cards who I, I kind of use those to kind of sort of make me money. And, mm-hmm. and the lifestyle that I live kind of gets rewarded back to me because I was spending that money, you know, either way. Yep. Um, so I think that's definitely that was definitely a, a, a learning experience from that of what I grew up and what I use these vessels for mm-hmm. to what I use them for now are completely different things. Completely different. And right? um, at first it was a lifeline. Right. Now you're using it to your advantage. Right. Because you're doing things like free flights or free stays at hotel or cashback um, because you're going out to the normal restaurants that you would be going out to before paying cash. But now since you're using your card, you're just doubling your money, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a really cool thing, and it's it's really one of those things of like how the other side lives. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's it's kind of uh, it's one of those kind of things you have to learn, and you try and pass back and give the people, and you know, get this credit card. And and, it, and and I wrote this as one of my talking points, and I and I said, why is it so difficult for our community? Right. And I right. think you know what I mean when I say our community yeah. to have open and honest discussions about money and finance. I mean, I think it's um. It's tough. You know, I think there's certain people who um, are just anxious about what people ask from them yeah. when they when they yeah. say it. You know what I mean? And it's it's not about, um, you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge. I, I love I would love for everybody in my connection that doesn't have any has questions around any of the areas that I think I have answers to or even can like we mm-hmm. can talk about it together. I love chatting with those things. And I think um, I think just people are certain sometimes protective. And I think people are. Um, a little bit worried about people looking down on them or, mm-hmm. or attaching their actual worth to their net worth or to their actual worth to their salary. And yeah. that's not what it's about. It's about uplifting everybody. And it's exactly. about it's about having those um, those those discussions just because I was talking to somebody about this and so much of my financial path, I have here a whole sheet of like, mm-hmm. I opened a stash account, open a personal account, open a Robinhood account, open an M1 account. And there's so many things that I've devoted thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in strategies I've had based off of five or 10 minutes conversations where somebody exactly. passed some game on to me. And it kind of, the light comes on and you're right. like, oh, okay, right. if I invest in this, then right. I can do this, right? Somebody goes, oh yeah, here's how options work. And I've probably now spent five, 10 grand in options in the past six months yep. off of 10 minute conversation I had with somebody and pro- which was followed by four to eight hours probably of videos and understanding research. and research. Yep. And so like those 10 or 15 minutes was a catalyst to like learn so much more. So uh, I just don't think people are having those conversations and are and is, is sophisticated. I mean, this yeah. is all very new for the common person. You know what I it mean? Is. Like even 10 years ago, you could have an MBA and you wouldn't know a about lot about finance. about being able to invest or how to invest and everything like that. Um, just because the tools weren't there, the vehicles weren't there. So we're in a very uncharted, I think, territory. It is, yeah. And, and so I say no excuses, right? Because right. You, everybody has some type of smartphone. You can literally go on your phone, download an app, and get invested for free today. Right. Within a matter of 10 minutes. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, and so you were saying, you were talking about um, those open conversations that you need to have amongst your peers. Right. right? right. Amongst your associates. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do, you are in a relationship. So I want to talk about how um, you have those conversations with your significant other, right? And talk about the conversation of relationship versus finance. Right, right. I mean, it's tough because she's she is very extremely risk adverse. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's not one to like. She's like, oh, yeah, you can put your money there, but it could be gone tomorrow. I'm like, yep. well, listen, 
if 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 it's gone tomorrow, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that's not good. The world's not going to be in a good place if it's gone tomorrow. <laughs> so like my little ten thousand dollars is not going to be, you know. And you're not, you very rarely, unless you're messing in the options, bro. You're very rarely going to lose it all. You yeah. know what I mean? So you could definitely catch it and pull back and stop a little bit. Um, so I think it's I think it's a it's it's a tough conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just the learning and, and growth under, and understanding of, you know, there are safe vehicles out there. The whole point of an index fund, you know, is to pull a bunch of stuff together. So if Apple doesn't, Apple decides to just tank. and You still have Google. You still have Google. You still have Amazon. You still have, um, you know, even if you have some of the, the core stuff, you know, gold and different things like that, you can have to kind of weigh you down and, and kind of keep you anchored. Um but that's kind of the conversations that you kind of have to have. You have to show people a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. My mom has a stash account that I that I got her set up on. My mom and yeah, dad. I set my mom up with a, a Robinhood account, right? <laughs> exactly. Same same thing with my dad because I'm like, you're getting it to that age, right, where we need to have this conversation. And we need to start saying, okay, um, if you want to retire and here in a couple of years, you know, what can we do about that? Right. Where do you actually stand? Right, exactly. And I, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing probably in my family's, one of the biggest things in my family's life that I was able to do is I told my mom, like, hey, it's um, since 08, we bought our house in 99. Yeah. So they were probably at like 7% happy. Mm-hmm. I was like, mom, you got to refinance. 7% interest rate right. on that mortgage. Right, mom, you got to ref- you got to. All I know is I'm reading refinance, refinance. <laughs> you got to refinance. Yeah. And that prop, they finally refinanced probably six or seven years ago. When the rates were sitting at around four. Probably three and a half, four percent. And knocked off like three years on the mortgage, like $300 a month. Like it was like life changing. And, and they're both retired now. And I think yeah. part of the ability to, they got their finances in order was I like to think is part of the refinance. You know yep, what I mean? Exactly. Um, so that's a that's a beautiful thing, and I think just kind of um, it's it's like you like for me, I'm I'm in a good place right now, uh-huh. and you asked me my goals, and I'm like, uh, I'm kind of like I'm just still celebrating from the goals <laughs> that just hit. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's kind of um, you know it, it's it's a tough and it takes discipline, and you're you're getting into somebody's discipline and how they live their life. Yeah, and, because everyone's not the same. Right. You might want to set huge lofty goals, right? And you can check those off the box every couple months, right? Right. Um, whereas if you try to set goals for others, they may not align with you personally or how you set your goals, right? Right. right. And I've come to learn that because. Um, if you try to have these conversations with other people and say, hey, let's make a savings goal for you or let's make a budgeting goal, it might not work out because that might might not be the type of person they are. Right, right. right and that's right. why you have to have that conversation and find out how they spend money, how they track their money, where they're getting their money, you know, S- see if they have any debt or anything like that because all of that goes into your financial picture in order for you to move forward. Exactly. I mean, you could look at some people who say, um, oh, yeah, you're spending $250 a month at Equinox. You need to get that off of your off of your books you need you can do something cheaper but to somebody who's loves to work out and really loves that experience that yeah. 250 is is a is a discount for exactly. that you know what i mean so and it, the same thing can go for food can go for alcohol can go for any type of everybody has their vices exactly they may not be quote unquote bad for you right right, right. like you said like i think I, I ran into you at equinox one time right yeah, and yeah i love going to the gym right in the mornings after work because that's something that you know helps helps me out right right you, not only do i get to stay in shape but i kind of you know work off some stress as well and so even though it costs 220 dollars 250 dollars that can do a world of help to you right 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 or some people that like to get coffees and i say like you know what if someone wants to get a coffee let them right as long as they have the plan 
to mm-hmm. be able to afford that. And you can do that through something simple. You can go out and invest in Starbucks, right? Right. So right, now you're right. owning the company. They're paying you a dividend. <laughs> right. right. And you can go you love buy Starbucks your- so much. Go ahead and go get you someone's exactly. stash. Like, and that way, at least when you're buying, like, you know, I have some Apple stock. When I buy an iPhone, I'm like, hey, I'm helping me out. You know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is something that's a, a little off topic, but I want to talk about the financial crisis. Um, because it was something um, that I really didn't understand um, at the time because I was, um, I wouldn't say I was so young, but I was just starting high school around that time, um, like 10th grade, something mm-hmm. like that, where it was kind of affecting a lot of people around me, but I really didn't know how it was personally affecting me. And I really didn't find out the intricacies of the financial crisis until I got to um, college mm-hmm. and I was doing a, a case study about how it actually affected the U.S. population. Right. So did right. it really hit home with you or is it something like kind of me where you really didn't understand until it was over? Right. So I, I'm a, few, a quick couple years older. So I had yep. um, it was 08. Yep. Um, I was a freshman in college. And again, as as you guys can probably tell, I, I was um, learning a lot about the corporate world, learning a lot about um how the upper middle class, upper class kind of operates in the different vehicles that they have. And honestly, probably I mentioned that the financial world was kind of not it was unknown to me, but the financial crisis kind of made it a little scary to me as well, because yeah. here was all these people who, you know, um, they were in it for the, they were in it for the money. You know, a lot of people in their finance for the money. They're mm-hmm. they in it for what people say are not the best reasons. Um, sometimes yeah. it, morally, I mean, just to be to be honest. And I think that was kind of why I was kind of, OK, maybe that's not something I want to do. Um, and then when the financial crisis hit, it was like, man, I don't even know what these people were doing. And now they're getting in trouble for <laughs> yeah. it now. But I actually had a, I had um, teammates of mine on the football team. Uh-huh. I, I had a I had a teammate of mine who came back from college, had his internship, got his got his investment banking dream job. Wow. And guess where it was at? Lehman, Lehman Brothers. Brothers. <sighs> he was came back into football camp like. Cool. Senior year, I'm good. I'm going to have probably, you know, 125K probably promised to him as a 22-year-old, scraggly beard, probably everything. And and he really was like, they were like, we're out of business. Oh, the company. Oh, oh. So now I've worked for three years, spent my really important summer. Doing those internships. Doing those internships. And now, and it was, so it was real. It was definitely, it was definitely real. And I think... I don't know when, and I don't want to wish any negative things, but you know the the, the tear we've seen in the market. Mm-hmm. There's there's some people that aren't with a lot of these vehicles like Stash and M1 and yep. different things like that and Robinhood. Like it's going to be there's going to be a turn at some point in time. And and, and, I think and how do you prepare for that? You have your emergency fund. Have, you have your plan right laid out right 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 because right. Even though you have $10,000, like you said, in a Robinhood account, that could be gone tomorrow. Right. And, exactly. that, and I wanted to make sure everyone knows that because um, even though you're investing in a company, they can go bankrupt and you will lose your entire investment. Exactly. So while investments may look good now, and I, what I like to do is dollar cost average. I like to buy over time. If the stock is going up, I buy. If the stock is going down. If I like the company, I'm going to keep buying. But there is a point in time where the company could go to zero. Right. And you right, could be out right. of all your money. Right. Right. And so how do people prepare for that? I think um, I think just having a good mix of, of what you can do. There's different asset classes that there's all these are all things I'm figuring out. You know, um, between bonds and investing in corporate bonds, it's a little bit more. You're gonna have a little bit more safety there. Yep. Um, you know, if if everything goes is just going red, 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 you can do things like CDs just to keep some type of money that you're you're investing in. 
Um, those aren't necessarily vehicles that people aren't, don't know a lot about because right now not the, that's not the best return for your money. You yep. know what I mean? So I think people can investigate in some of those different things. Of, of um, And if you look up just, like, I think, uh, defensive stocks, you know, mm-hmm. not defense stocks. Exactly. Like I, remember, I saw what you said, <laughs> but defensive stocks. There's, there's, there's definitely areas out there. Um, but it's just not what's hot. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be your twelve percent. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, um, you know, I think when I joined Stash, I was just throwing Amazon, Apple, whatever, mm-hmm. and it was just growing, going, going. Oh, I woke up with two hundred more dollars today. I yep. woke up with three hundred more dollars today. Uh, so that that world is is going to probably we may have a change. Um, it's just kind of looking at that and preparing for that. And um, you know, the more you research, the more you, you see how sophisticated a lot of stuff is behind the scenes mm-hmm. and and you watch the CNBCs and and what what matters on Monday may not matter on Tuesday. You're like the world's <laughs> crumbling because of X Y Z on Monday, and then it happens again two Mondays from now. Nobody cares. So it's kind of it's it's a lot going on. It is a um, lot. I think what you said, buying things that you're interested in, um, things that you understand. My healthcare background is what I understand. So, yep, that's, so that's how you got into some the of those FDA, early stocks. Yep. Some of those early stocks. I still invest in some of that stuff today. That's some of my major holdings in my in my actual play account. Is just kind of how I go through that. Yep. I trust these companies because they're investing in stuff that is, is hot in the market and mm-hmm. hot in the, in the, um, in, in healthcare, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the Axum one that I did, they, they work with central nervous system problems. So they're doing a lot of dementia. They're doing a lot of, um, just brain. Which disorders. is hitting the older generation. Right. Hard. Right. Right. And you've got the baby boomers that are all going to get older. And, and so healthcare is, I could have a whole podcast on healthcare. Like, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of different moving vehicles and go, that are going on there, um, and so it, it, that's a cool place for me to invest personally. And mm-hmm. I think kind of staying true to those things and finding things you're really passionate about and know about, you know, that's that's kind of my safeguard. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I do want to ask this question, um, and this is a question that I think a lot of people should ask. Right? Retirement. Mm-hmm. Do you plan on working for the next forty years or twenty five years, thirty years? Right until you um, are in a position to retire? Or do you want to see yourself setting something up as far as like a business or some type of side hustle where that can actually replace some of your income that you're gaining now um, and allow you to have that, you know, financial freedom and financial independence to allow you to make a decision that says, hey, you know what? I don't want to do my nine to five anymore. I just want to live my life. Right. And I think that's, um, you know, uh, with the union that I'm a part of, I kind of have that. It's like I said, I kind of have that like back background. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that basically, if I re, if I'm there for thirty years, um, I get I get a good good package pretty much, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I'm there for two, so I got twenty eight to left. <laughs> and, and 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 kind of the the way I approach my financial world um, is is anything I can do between those twenty eight years that can that can maybe make it so I can take a little bit of a smaller package in that um, would be great. Uh, you know, I, there, there's a there's a lot of talk out there about people retiring early, and um, you know, it, I took a step back from a lot of the you know. There's a lot of fascination with retiring early and working mm-hmm. for startups and kind of the go 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 and yep. the internet and a lot of things like that. And I, I going into the role that I'm in, um, you know, I, I stepped back to, from that a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, you know, there, there's a lot of traditional things that that embedded within all that in the retirement um 
that people don't think about. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. like a lot of the startups and stuff like that don't have a 401k. They mm-hmm. don't have, you know. They're just banking on going public. Banking on going public. And it's a lot of the stuff that you're doing personally. So anything that I can do is, is going to be just um, retire early. Um, yeah. and, and, and then, you know, things I'm doing two years ago. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be where I'm at now. So I'm, I'm waiting <laughs> yeah. for the next big thing. I've always got open ears as far as where's investing. And I love to invest in our community. I love to do different things. I love to um, get more out there. So I think kind of exploring those opportunities. And as I have more and more money to, to play with and explore with those in that way. Okay. And so before I let you get out of here, I do want to talk about some of your goals for 2020. Right. And then um, if you have some type of five year plan, I, I do want you to discuss that. Um, and just to tell me what you have uh, planned on the horizon. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I think 2020, uh, like I mentioned, I, I, I just hit some goals. So I think really kind of figuring out um, the real estate in my life, um, what it looks like. Is it going to be something that I buy um, just a single unit or if it's going to be something more multifamily and, yeah. and use? Um, still not putting a closing a door. I'm, I'm open to exploring Columbus investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so trying to, try, I think my goal is to kind of figure out how I'm going to go and where I'm going to move in real estate. And yep. I think the other goal is is trying to identify some other alternative um, investments that I could have maybe outside of the market um, in, in groups around, you know, the community. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's that's kind of the goal for 2020 is, yep. is, is figure that out and kind of make a savings goal. Um, you know, I, the funny thing is when you get into this stuff, you the money just it adds up really quickly. You know it what really I mean? It really does. So it takes a long time to start. And that first year or so, it, it feels like it's it's not going to build up. Right. But once you get rolling right. and you start to receive dividends or interest or it's, you start to get that capital appreciation, it, it actually adds up pretty quick. Yeah. $10,000 can make you $1,000 really easily. 50000 mm-hmm. will make you 5000 So I'm just trying to really kind of figure out the smartest ways to kind of get to those numbers where, you know, $100,000 is turning into $10,000 yeah. on top of that really easily. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to just say that. And uh, so that's 2020. What five your year, five year plan. Yeah, five year plan. Um, you know, <laughs> married kids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> real estate. Um, I think I think that's kind of that's honestly those are the three kind of you know the big picture. Um, you when you hit that thirty, right. when you hit thirty, <laughs> yeah, thirty, when years. you hit thirty, you <laughs> see thirty five quickly, and you see forty quickly. So just just really figuring all that out. Um, just becoming better in my career. Um, there's a lot of business goals I have. I want to just uh, for my office and, yeah. and and for the company. And there's a little, so there's a lot of stuff that's wrapped around that and just figuring out the rest of personal life and stuff like that. Okay. Well, Mark Key, thank you for being on uh, Money Talks, the podcast, season one, episode five. Yes, um, we're right at midway in the season. Um, I really appreciate this conversation. Honestly, it was amazing, you know, talking about your past and what you have going on in the future. And I, I think this, you should be a model for people that are maybe in Columbus um, or in like a rural area and they're trying to get out and build, you know, a career or life, mm-hmm. you should be the model, right? Because you've done it the right way, man. You started out with 40 K now you're all the way up and close to a quarter M, right? Like those should be some things that people should strive for. But I do want to give you a chance to talk about your social media. If um, anyone wants to reach out to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's casual key on Instagram. Um, Facebook, my name, Mark key, uh, LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn, yep. Mark key, um, love helping out. Anybody love to chat. Like I said, you never know what you're going to pick up from 10 minutes of chatting. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking to learn. I'm a student. I'm a student and anything you, I can help anybody out with learn from um, personal finance. It's something I have a passion about. I, yep. I started a program in my old local high school when I first graduated and uh, I love just kind of sharing anything. So um, anybody has any questions, reach out. Okay. Um, 
Thank you for being on the show, man. Uh, Money yeah. Talks the podcast, season one, episode five. Appreciate it.